Welcome to the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we share our stories of starting our businesses and how there was no right time, even though we also think that just do it is terrible advice. We take some of the pressure out of a launch or release of a new product, service, or business venture and debunk some of the other myths and business bullshit that we hear far too often. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer Samantha's question about hiring a business coach. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. If you've thought of starting a business or considering taking your side business to a full-time business, chances are you've waited for the right time whether it's to have a certain amount of money in the bank, a certain number of clients, or if you are of the mystical sort, some type of sign from the universe. And so you wait and you save some money, you pay down debt, or you accept that debt is a reality and that isn't enough. And then you wait for things to slow down at work or till it's the right time to leave so that you don't leave your team in a lurch. And then you wait until you have the confidence, the clear headedness, the perfect website and the photos and the branding and your elevator pitch. And even then it's not enough. I've said it before and I will say it again. There is no such thing as enough. Just like I tell myself and all my ambitious clients for people like us, there will never be enough. We are the type of people who want more. We want more depth in our communities. We want more people sharing about what we do. We want more money, more power, more impact. We always want more. And the challenge is that as we want more, we also want to make sure we are prepared, that we have all of our ducks in a row. If you are someone who is waiting until you have enough to take the next step, chances are that you're going to be waiting a long time. Back in 2017, I started my business because I lost my job. I did not have a plan to ever start my own business. I am not one of those people who had a side business that I could just pour some gas on and make go further. I had no business degree. What I had was a few people who told me that I had something special. And I looked at the trends in what I can do, what I'm good at, how I can share it, and how I can make money doing something that really lights me up. It meant that I had to believe I really had something that not everybody had, that I had a skill set. I had particular things that I could pull from my background in teaching and my background in sales and everything I loved about working with retailers and service providers and business owners. And I had to create something that was uniquely mine. Liz is somebody who started with a business on the side and then took it full time. LP, tell us your story because our histories are certainly different. They definitely are. I had the occasional client here and there on the side while working full time. Nothing too serious for a couple of years. 
eventually it started to grow. I was getting more and more referrals and AW is a big part of that. It was getting to the point where I was pretty busy in the evenings and weekends. And it was getting to the point where I couldn't do the side hustle and the full-time gig, even though this is a big, even though I really loved my full-time gig. That was something that made the decision not super easy. On the flip side, my partner and I had wanted to move to Vancouver Island for years. And then he got a job offer here. I can do my freelance work from anywhere. And it turns out his job offer in a weird way was kind of a little bit the push I needed to just go for it. I will say I had applied for a few full-time jobs on the island. And there was one that I was so, so, so close to getting. And AW bought me cheeseburgers and listened to me cry when I didn't get it. (laughs) But ultimately, my own business was the route for me. I think there was a couple of those applying for jobs and didn't getting them and questioning, which really kind of gave me clarity to realize that this is what I needed to do. I'm, you know, I'm glad to have the flexibility to work with clients and also do things like be, I'm an instructor at the University of Victoria. So I think this, it all worked out for me, but it was definitely a a different route uh, than you took, AW. I think what's so interesting and what we have in common is that we both loved our jobs. And I, this is something I hear often when people are hesitating about doing their own thing. It feels like there's this added layer of pressure when you love what you do. For me, it wasn't a choice, right? I was politely asked to leave. And so I have said since, I'm like, I probably wouldn't have left unless somebody made that choice for me because I loved my job. I was good at my job. I I was doing some really incredible things and building relationships that I was really proud of. And in my situation, it kind of forced me to really step back and figure out what is it that I'm loving about this. Sometimes I think people make the assumption that in order to start their own business, it has to come from them hating something that exists. They have to start their own business because, oh, I hate my job or I hate the slog or my nine to five isn't working. Liz is giving a big like Mm -hmm. shaking her head. No here. Yeah. I loved my job. I, to the point Mm -hmm. where I knew I wanted to do full-time freelance. I had to give myself a deadline for when I was going to give my notice. And I waited until that day. I I asked my boss if I could have a one-on-one meeting with him. And we went into a meeting room and closed the door and I just started to cry. he was like, what? And I was like, you're not going to like it. (laughs) I loved my job and I loved the team. Um, So yeah, you don't have to hate what's going on in your full-time work to, to take the leap at all. And I think that's something too, this comes with the enoughness or the more piece, just because you want more or you want something else. It doesn't mean that everything came that came before it was garbage. And I think sometimes that when people even start sussing out, I think I want to start a business or I think I want to go full time in this outside voices can make an assumption that something isn't working. And so we're both here standing up for it going, you can do well and like more than one thing. And what matters is like, what's going to work for right now? 
where this connects to what I call the capital L launch and some of the business bullshit that we hear is that this capital L launch creates so much pressure. I know there are people who toil over when should I incorporate my business? What's my incorporation date? That that's the day of my business anniversary. And Liz and I are both kind of chuckling here going, no one really cares. Sometimes see those posts on Instagram or wherever on LinkedIn and someone says like I'm incorporated I'm a real business now I'm like what the hell have I been doing for the last couple of years am I not Thank real you. <laughs> exactly yeah. is this not a real business because I don't have a certificate on the wall that I paid a thousand dollars for to say I'm incorporated yeah. and, and I get that people have different sources of pride and celebrate specific anniversaries I'm big on dates But I think the capital L launch is one of those things that holds us back even further. What's the perfect date? When's the day that I'm going to celebrate every single year? When do I get that incorporation piece of paper? And I'm talking about big picture in terms of starting a business, but my opinion stays the same as far as launching a new product or service. I think there is so much that people unnecessarily put into the pre-launch strategy. And here's the launch strategy. And I'm all for a strategy. I am all for a plan. And I'm all for getting shit done. Because sometimes the more time we spend in planning and to-do lists and strategizing, it's very, very clever procrastination. If we have the list of the 10 steps to launch, then we're spending way more time on the 10 steps instead of figuring out what's the end goal of this. I want to build a community. I want to be able to sell this product to the right people. I want people to be engaged. So I'm, I'm here to like debunk what I call the capital L launch. It's unnecessary pressure. And frankly, I mean, Liz, I, I think you can reiterate this. Nobody on the internet is looking at whether I launched my claim your spotlight group program on August 30th or September 1st. Everyone's so wrapped up in their own lives that it really doesn't matter. No one's paying attention. Yeah. Right. One of the other things that I find frustrating that has to do with waiting and is it the right time is the just follow your passion platitude. This just follow your passion to me has lost all meaning because I think it's terrible advice. Again, I'm not saying all you need is strategy, but what I am saying is passion is very much not a strategy. Passion is not a plan. It is a part of the equation, but it is not the whole story. So I think when somebody is waiting on something to start a business, to launch something, it's worthwhile to dig into why might I be waiting? Am I afraid of failing? In which case we can talk about that. We have a past episode where we talk about fail quickly, fail spectacularly so that you can get to the really good stuff. When we talk about passion, if you go back to episode 13, Liz and I have an explicit conversation about how important is it to be passionate And that even though, yes, we want to care and give a shit about what we do and the people we serve and the communities we build, it's not the only ingredient. And I think if you're waiting to love your job more, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. 
another bullshit platitude that I cannot stand is this, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Oh, Liz just made a beautiful barf face. It falls very similarly. I remember in university, there was a couple that I knew and the one of the partners had said to me, our relationship is just effortless. And at the time I hated her and rolled my eyes and was annoyed. And I took it on myself and I said, oh, is it because I'm single and grouchy? And when I look at it now, I'm like, actually, I want a partner who puts in effort. I'm proud to put effort into my relationships. To me, that's what makes them worthwhile. And if your relationship is totally effortless, I'm like, oh, how sad. How sad that neither of you are putting in any effort and just assume that everything's going to be easy because you also don't have a chance to hone those communication skills, to work through challenges. So this, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, I love what I do and I work every damn day. Liz, how do you feel about this one? I don't like it. I do enjoy what I do. But there are days where I don't like it as much as I did the day before, and that's normal. And I think that putting the emphasis on loving what you do adds some pressure. You know, if you're living by this philosophy, like, I love what I do, this isn't work. Well, then on the days where you're not feeling it, you might feel like something's wrong with you or you've chosen the wrong path. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure and a lot of unnecessary self-doubt that a saying like that can put on yourself. Amen to that unnecessary self-doubt. If I questioned every single day that I didn't love what I was doing, or if I sat back and thought there was something wrong with me, I would waste a lot of time and I don't need to. I don't need to spend more time in the space of self-doubt. I have enough of that. But to imagine that I'm going to love every single moment of what I'm doing is setting an unrealistic expectation and I'm only going to be disappointed. One of the other pieces of garbage that I think a lot about is that we have so much available. Courses, worksheets, downloads, vision boards. And I say this as somebody who sells a course, a signature program, and has worksheets and workshops. You don't need another one. At this moment, I have two courses and one membership that I'm not super engaged in. I'm paying for them and not using them, or I have paid for them and it's a sunk cost and I'm not using it to its full potential. Coach Jenny calls this info crack, where we get so obsessed with finding the latest worksheet and the latest download and the coolest newsletter on the block that we end up with a full inbox and a full downloads folder of PDFs, but we don't actually do the work. So in in pursuit of finding the right time or doing things right or preparing for the launch or having enough, we can actually get bogged down by all the shit we don't do. So instead of adding more, I'm here to say, look at what you have and get trying something. Actually do the exercises 
in the book or look at your folder of downloads and go, which of these worksheets am I really going to do? Or how many exercises have I downloaded because I was supposed to, but actually don't care. Again, there's clever procrastination by thinking that we need more, more, more so that we're ready. In a conversation that I had with Coach Jenny last week, I was really frustrated. I was feeling like, is this the right way to spend my time and energy? I was feeling kind of like, blah, I don't feel like it today. And I created this cycle of self-doubt. I started telling myself that like, I've chosen the wrong thing because I'm not super jazzed about this moment. And I had to go back to why I started this business in the first place and how it does light me up and the life that it gives me. And she shared with me um, the words of Anais Nin, who is a French Cuban essayist and writer of short stories. And she says, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. So as I'm sitting here feeling blah, waiting for the right time to take the next step, and am I ready? Am I doing it too soon? I could feel the image of this tight bud waiting to burst and how much harder that feels and how much more risky it feels than to just shoot your shot and blossom and try it and potentially fail, but do it. Liz, I want to know what other business bullshit are you ready to be done with and help our listeners stop waiting for the perfect moment to be ready? I just have a, a short one and I'm sure that there, there are more, but the one that is off the top of my head is the 5 a.m. club, the idea of the 5 a.m. club. I'm not doing that. I'm a 7.30 to 8.15 a.m. kind of person. Um, you know, work, life, pandemic, relationships, etc. that's tiring enough. Why would I deprive myself of rest? When rest seems to be at a premium, why would I knock back on that? Um, all of us are either in burnout or so close to burnout. We need all of the sleep and downtime and self-care that we can get. I am not getting up at 5 a.m. for my business because me as a person comes before my business. A hundred percent. You and I have had this conversation many times that like, the people we serve are humans first. We are humans before we are business owners. We are humans, not hustlers. And what I find so frustrating about the 5 a.m. club is that it says it, it's advertising the power of starting at 5 a.m., but it never talks about how if you start at 5 a.m., you end at 2 p.m. All it does is like extend the workday. And I saw an article just this morning that said how to finally become a morning person. And I'm like, the only thing that I want that article to say is get over it. It's okay if you're not a morning person. I don't know why this still has to be up for debate. And you're right. We are all stressed. We are all on the cusp of burnout or experiencing burnout. Life on its own is enough. Let's not deprive ourselves of sleep and of rest. So here's the 
the real question here, I'm going to send this to you first, Liz. So how are you taking your own advice? As we um, look at some of the BS, how are you going, mm, time for me to, to take this? So this is a work in progress for me, uh, not to say that I'm getting up at five, I'm not, um, but I am starting to, I'm starting to embrace the free in freelancer. I've really focused on this over the last month or so. I do only work Monday to Friday, unless I'm feeling inspired and want to do a couple hours on a Saturday afternoon, but that's pretty rare. So I only work Monday to Friday, but I've embraced the freedom within that schedule. So if I don't want to start work until noon, I don't. If I want to go to a two o'clock yoga class, I'm going to do that. If I want to start at 7.30, so then I'm done by one o'clock, I'm going to do that. If you listen to an early episode, and I, I wouldn't even know which episode it was, we talked about our schedules. And I was pretty consistent with always starting at nine because I needed that consistency. I have changed from that. I start when I feel like it. So that's advice that I'm trying to take to heart lately is to be gentle with myself um, and really kind of serving myself again as a person before I am a business owner. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think I often have moments of like, did I contradict myself in a past episode? Probably. I absolutely have, because you're right. When we started the podcast, it was January, 2020. Things were different then. Our oh, sense yeah. of routine was different. Even though we've been in pandemic for 18 months, it doesn't mean that how we existed in the first month of the pandemic is the exact same as it is now. So I think if I, if I pose that question to myself of like, how am I taking my own advice? I'm going to steal some of yours, which is, I'm allowed to change my mind. And one of the, the pieces that I'm really sticking with is, again, the risk to remain tight in a bud is more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And I'm in blossom mode. And that means that I'm probably going to fall on my face a couple times. And I've had to learn to be okay with that. I launched a new program and it didn't get the response that I wanted it to. I created what I thought was a really engaging, exciting reel. It's not getting that much engagement. And why I'm okay with that is because I didn't spend four weeks toiling over what exactly do I say? I didn't spend three hours trying to craft the perfect comment. I made it happen faster. So I'm really off the train of wait for the right time. It has to be perfect to get the launch strategy. And instead going, let me start throwing some things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Let's see what sticks for me. Let's see what sticks for my community. Because what matters most is that I'm doing it and I'm getting practice and I'm trying because the more often I can try these scary things, the better off I'm going to be for future projects. I have a client who is a designer and we recently discussed how sometimes her projects take her a really long time. And so we dug into this a little bit and I asked her, are these particular projects taking a really long time because you do so few of them? because you fill your schedule with a bunch of other stuff 
that isn't really where you want to be. So when you do get the design project that you wanted, you're kind of out of practice. So in a similar sense, it's like, I want to get more experience and more practice of doing things faster so that it doesn't feel as scary. I don't have time to let the self-doubt creep in. I'm not letting the inner critic win. Instead, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to do it much faster. And that to me is really exciting. So for people who are listening to this going, is she trying to push me off the ledge and say, just start the full-time business? No, I am not saying just do it because I also think that that's really harsh black and white advice. Wait for the perfect time on one end of the spectrum and just do it on the other. I'm not saying to not make a plan or to not be thoughtful and strategic, but I'm saying really look at the reasons that you're holding back and figuring out which ones still get credit and which ones don't. Which excuses are you ready to retire? Which yeah, buts really count for you and figure out if it's a certain amount of money in the bank, how much is it? If it's paying down a certain amount of debt, what does that look like? If it's a number of clients, how many? Because if you don't set that expectation, chances are you're just gonna keep going and keep building the bank account, keep reducing the debt, keep adding clients, not knowing that all you wanted was a handful so that you could get to the next step. So I'm not here to push you off the ledge. Instead, I'm saying, let's get real about some of the excuses and figure out which ones count and which don't anymore. I would love to know from our audience, what is some of the business advice that means well, but has actually held you back? We know that intention is very different than impact. And I have a feeling that the person telling you, just do it, or the person telling, follow your passion, they mean well but the impact isn't necessarily what we need to help us move forward. So please join us on Instagram. And again, tell us what is the advice that means well, but's actually held you back. Today's WWAWD or what would Amanda Wagner do? Today's question fits in really nicely for our conversation was speaking about business advice. Our question today comes from Samantha who says, I want to hire a business coach, but I don't know where to start. They are all over my Instagram. Man, aren't they? They're all over my Instagram. And if you search hashtag business coach, it's overwhelming. How do I determine who is a good fit for me? You are 100% right. They are everywhere. And what is fascinating and frustrating is that it is a largely unregulated industry. You can get a certificate in business coaching from the school of whatever for a couple hundred bucks and an online weekend. And I believe that you don't necessarily need the online certificate having spent six hours on Zoom learning how to ask open-ended questions. There are different credentials that matter. So when it comes to when it comes to hiring a business coach, my advice would be to find somebody whose personality that you click with. And I find that the best way to do that is instead of choosing 20 people to look at, find your top three and book that call. Every coach seems to have some sort of consultation call, a 15 minute get to know you, whatever that is. 
They are there for a reason. And I have a feeling that you will be able to tell really quickly if this coach is asking about you, if they're asking about what you want, if they're digging in, in a way that you find is respectful and helpful, you'll be able to tell if there's a fit. There are some business coaches who immediately will jump to, well, here's what I offer and these are my programs and these are my courses. And that might not be a good fit. From my perspective as a business coach and strategist, I am very upfront about what I do and what I don't do. I have a few rules for my Zoom room. Any person who enters my Zoom room, I always tell them, A, this is a confidential space. B, show up as you are. You are a human first. And that often means that there are emotions, there are experiences, there is history and trauma sometimes. You are not here to impress me. And that final rule is that my job is not to push you. My job is to pull things from you, to pull out interesting things and to ask you questions so that you can discover the next steps for yourself. If you ask me what I think, I will tell you, but my job is to support you. And so I think when you're looking for a business coach, starting by figuring out what do I want to achieve? Am I hiring a business coach because my friend has one and I think it's sexy? Like having that certificate of incorporation feels cool and sexy and like you're a real business? Or is it because you have some particular goals that you want help with? Maybe that's getting clarity on what your business is and what you offer. Maybe it's helping you design a new program to make some income in a different way. Maybe it's overhauling and getting ready for a new brand. There are many reasons you might want to hire a business coach. And the sooner that you can get clear on why you want one and what you want them to do, the easier it's going to be to go in prepared to that 15-minute conversation and say, I need support with this. How do you think you could help me? You can always ask a business coach to describe their style and look at their past clients. If a business coach is willing to share the types of people they work with, whether that's the industry of professionals, whether it's the results they typically get, that is a great way to go. What I would say is to shy away from some business coaches who have unrealistic guarantees. As much as I love a money back guarantee on my washing machine, it can be a bit of a red flag for me when there's the, I guarantee that you will see a 70% increase in revenue because it tells me that that person is going to pump me through a system that they've pumped a ton of other people through. And unless that's what I'm looking for, if I want individualized attention, it's probably not the right fit. That is a long answer to your question. I hope that it is helpful. Um, hashtag business coach is definitely a very, very broad hashtag. You will find many people I will tell you one thing that I strategically did. I had a handful of those introductory calls. I had some great feelings and some less great feelings. And one thing that was important to me was that I had a business coach that was out of my city. And for me, that was because not only did I want confidentiality, but I wanted to be able to really look at the sort of small community that I'm in, in a different way. And my goals are really big. I don't want to be known for Edmonton. So I wanted a perspective from somebody who lives in a different place and could offer different ideas.
I hope that is helpful information. Um, and of course, thank you for bearing with me as I get to talk about the profession that I am in and that I love and how I don't think you need another coaching certificate. My magic comes from my experience and I have a master's degree in educational psychology. So the extra certificate is not a, is not a pull for me when hiring a business coach. Awesome. Thanks, A.W. for that. And thanks, Samantha, for your question. Please keep submitting your questions to us. You can do that on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit via the contact form there. I am fired up about this episode and I cannot wait to hear from our listeners. I want to hear the advice or feedback that was intended to help you, but actually keeps you stuck. And if you are one of the people who is waiting for the right time and you don't want to work with someone who tells you to just do it or push you into the pool, but instead helps you make a plan that works for you and your life, sees you as a full human, I am your person. There is a reason I have been called a business therapist. I take any and all emotions and experiences. You can find me at theamandawagner.com and get in touch. I am one of those people who always offers the 15 minute call to find our fit. There are many ways to work together and we can find the one that works for you. And if you're curious about how to make your social media channels better and share your story with the world, you can connect with me at lizpittman.com. It is a pleasure to be back at it. We are hitting the fall season in Canada. And while COVID is still a giant question mark taking up lots of spaces in our brains, in our hearts and in our lives, we are happy to have a little bit of routine that fall brings us, and we are excited to see some of the changes that inevitably come with the season. Our schedule continues. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, as always, we will see you on the internet. Woohoo! That was great. I that don't, was great. I don't even think I need to edit that very much. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, I feel like we did really well. I don't, did we, I don't even think we had any bloopers. That's no. unusual. It is unusual. <laughs>